0: Welcome to Sugar Nutmeg, carrying to you a feast of Southeast Asian stories from the spicy to the sweet, one-stop melt and one-stop pop. I'm Ruth Vera And I'm
1: Alexandra Kumala. In this episode, we have our feast in the East East or the land of the rising sun, otherwise more commonly known as East Timor, also known as Timor Leste or Timor Lorosai. There's a
0: lot of stuff floating around about Timor The history and the current climate, but
1: very rarely from the perspective of a Timorese directly. So we decided to chat with multiple award-winning singer, songwriter, book author, and permaculture pioneer Eugenio Fatimo Lemos, or Ego.
2: During the clandestine in Timor, people use uh, many different names during the clandestine. So my name is Eugenio, make it sort E-G-O so easy for people to call it's like a code name
0: yeah and you you have a project called permaculture right
2: this is called uh, permatil permatil uh, it's a permaculture uh, team of leste or timor leste this organization uh, being uh, founded uh, back in 2001 uh, we uh, follow the permaculture uh, principle uh, which is permaculture, is uh, started in Australia back in the 1970s, 80s. So the, the permaculture, uh, Timor-Leste, the permative, our main activities is to uh, look at the natural resource management and also uh, the water conservation and um, also promoting agroecological uh, farming system. And we also doing the advocacy work, which is uh, to do with the school garden program with Ministry of Education. We're doing advocacy also through uh, Minister of Public Work, especially water and sanitation to do uh, uh, groundwater uh, rehabilitation and spring protection. And we also advocate through Ministry of Agriculture to promote sustainable agriculture or agroecology. Uh, practices in Timor. So we have two main programs. One is, I mentioned, uh, natural resource management and the other one is uh, education and advocacy. For the uh, natural resource management, uh, one of the main activities that Promatia does is uh, working with a local committee, with very remote community where they, their environment very degraded, for instance, forest degradation and their springs springs dries out. So that's the target area for Permotida. So we uh, go and create a catchment uh, system, catchment area to capture the rainwater during rainy season. And also in order to do uh, spring restoration. So these activities uh, cover uh, almost whole Timor. And so this uh, work is to do uh, working with the Minister of Public Works, specifically uh, water and sanitation. We're also working with Secretary of State of Environment. Uh, we're also working with uh, yeah, different stakeholders in Timor. Second activities is called Permaculture uh, gardening in School. So this is collaborate with Ministry of Education in Timor. Back in 2013, Permatil, we worked with Ministry of Education to develop a curriculum, national curriculum for school garden, which is called Permaculture Garden in School. So this is uh, now it's uh, being compulsory subject for throughout the whole Timor, and this basically for primary school. So Permatil has uh, successfully established about 253 school gardens around Timor, and we still continue until now. Uh, one of the activities that Permatil does is uh, organize uh, Permaculture Youth Camp. It's a biannual, biannual. So every two years, Perma organize Permaculture Youth Camp for the uh, youth across Timor, And also we, sometimes we're inviting uh, youth from other country to join. The other activities is we call uh, Perma Youth uh, Water Camp, which is we just finished one last week. In the Perma Youth Camp, we have about uh, nine training workshops. It's including uh, aquaculture, horticulture, agroforestry, Water conservation, cooking, traditional cooking workshop. So about nine training workshop for the water promote uh, water camp. Just focus on how to train uh, young people on how to protect the natural reservoir or create a new one uh, in order to protect. Do the spring restoration. As you may know that Timor is a uh, tropical countries. Uh, we have. Uh, uh, rain, but it's very short. Most of the rain is flowing straight to the uh, ocean and causing a lot of uh, uh, landslide, uh, erosion. And even this year, March, March this year, flooding mm. uh, back in March this year. So the Prama Youth Training Camp on Water is basically training the youth how to uh, control the erosion by creating uh, terraces, catchment, especially upstream area. Uh, in order to slow down the, uh, the water runoff. The past activities has contributed to so many uh, communities that uh, those springs that dried out a couple of years ago are starting to revive again uh, in order to help so many local communities access to uh, clean water. As you know uh, in Timor, many of the uh, people who go collecting water are women and kids, so they are walking uh, distance to collect water for their family. This water uh, uh, conservation activities is to help to to cut the uh, walking distance by the local community in order to give uh, more time for the women and the children to have time to uh, relax and also uh, study and do other activities rather than uh, spending whole day collecting uh, water or searching for water. And also, one of the activities Permatil does is uh, called Permaculture Kids Camp. So the Permaculture Kids Camp is uh, also by an annual. Uh, next year will be Perma Youth Camp, and then the next following year will be Perma Kids Camp. Mm-hmm. So the Kids Camp focuses on the, the age, uh, twelve to seventeen years old, and uh, the, for the Perma Youth is uh, eighteen uh, years and above. Yeah, Permatil does. Uh, it's a small organization. Our contribution to uh, Timor is—you
1: uh, make a grand contribution to Timor. Yeah. yeah, I think you got cut off a little bit over there. So, what actually started causing the landslides and the flooding and the erosion?
2: As you may know, Timor is a mountain, more mountainous compared to lowland. The highest uh, mountain is about uh, three thousand. And then um, we have the flatland. is a very small percentage. The people burn the grass and this causes you to landslide.
0: Yeah, I'm curious, it, is the, the water shortage only ha- like happened in Delhi also or is it, it happening throughout uh, Timor, let's say?
2: Uh,
1: because of the droughts? It's, only, around,
2: uh, it's uh, only mainly around the uh, coastal area.
1: I'm curious about the process of getting permaculture and school gardening to be implemented all over the whole nation, because normally in the countries that I've lived in, it's extremely hard to get a curriculum to be standardized, even in just Mm. one city. Um, Mm. So the fact that you successfully were able to do that for your entire country, that's really amazing. And I'm curious about the process.
2: Yeah, the uh, the process first, I have to uh, go and work directly with Ministry of Education. Uh, I spent time three years uh, working with Ministry of Education, like involved directly in the curriculum. That's why I include school garden part of the uh, discipline of art and culture, called the unit called uh, permaculture garden. After we finished writing the curriculum uh, in 2015, and the curriculum being approved by the law in 2015. And then Ministry of Education also they have organic law within Ministry of Education to establish uh, like a national department of school garden to look after school garden. So I worked one year within that national directorate. And then I I had to uh, leave Ministry of Education in December 2017. Come back to Permatil because I I want to uh, work in the field rather than in the office. After I, I came back to Permatil, then we lobby with different funders to fund the school garden development across the whole country.
0: I'm curious, Ego, Can you uh, speak Indonesian or no?
2: Yes, I'm. Uh, I speak fluent Bahasa Indonesian. So.
0: Like, did you spend, like, some time in Indonesia before, or have you been to Indonesia?
2: Uh, I used to. I, I spent my whole study during Indonesian time. I, my primary school up to uh, my undergrad study using you know, Bahasa Indonesia. Uh, so I never uh, I never, studied, never studied outside of Timur. I studied in Timur from my, uh, my primary school up to university uh, in Timur. So using the uh, language of instruction is Bahasa Indonesia.
0: I'm wondering, is that still the case there? Or is it just like the the money language or like uh, the work language? Do you still have to learn Bahasa Indonesia in school or now it's stopped?
2: During Indonesian occupation, it's a compulsory for everyone to speak Bahasa Indonesia. Now still uh, 50% of the population speak Bahasa Indonesia. Bahasa Indonesia and uh, English is an other language is become an uh, extra language that uh, kids uh, learn. But it's like market uh, language. And also, I think because many of the Indonesian TV channel is being accessed in Timur, so many, almost whole family, every family in Timor, they watching uh, Indonesian uh, drama.
0: Oh, really? Wow. Whoa. From like the yeah. national TV, like RCTI and like Indonesia. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, oh my all of that
2: channel is being accessed in So that's why very funny, very funny uh, when kids at school, they learn the language of instruction is Tetum and Portuguese. It's uh, like a national language. But uh, when kids go home, they're watching Indonesian TV.
1: Are there Timor TV channels?
2: There is a... Uh, about two national, maybe three broadcasts in Timor. But I think because of the program, so people don't watch much, only for news, for the national news only. Uh, For the other program like drama and uh, movie, I think mostly they choose Indonesian uh, TV uh, because a lot of uh, drama is being broadcast by Indonesian television.
0: I'm curious how East Timor's communicate with west timors are you using indonesian language or you guys are talking in tetum or in english
2: west, with west timor uh, bahasa indonesia bahasa indonesia yeah.
0: yeah
2: and west timor some of the uh, community they speak tetum called tetum terik which is uh, one of the dialect in timor also tetum terik
1: so, you were saying that there's only two or three Timor channels, and most of the drama and the series are Indonesian series. Are there actually a lot of Timor kids or youth that are interested in storytelling and filmmaking or producing all of these entertainment content? And how is that? Education, particularly maybe for arts education beyond the basic education, what is the education like for arts and music um, and things like that?
2: Well, honestly, I think Indonesian TV is very influential in Timor because uh, many of Timor society watching uh, Indonesian TV, so they being influenced, uh, inspired, especially through uh, film industry. And I think many of the Timorese filmmakers, they learn a lot from Timor, from sorry, from Indonesia. And even uh, most of Timorese TV broadcasts in, in, in Timor, they, they've been sent to Indonesia to be trained for uh, doing uh, TV broadcasting. One, because it's cheap. Second, because of Tim, uh, Indonesia have so much uh, TV program. Uh, so I think many of the uh, TV program in Timor they more or less follow Indonesian uh, ideas. And talking about music, also music, Indonesian music is also very influential in Timor. So any uh, music, when the music hit in Timor, uh, in Indonesia, it's also the, the music uh, noun in Indonesia, uh, in Timor. So many of the kids, already know the, the the song or the music in Timor already because of the technology and even the musical uh, band, like a pop band, most of them follow Indonesian music style as well. Yeah. So Indonesian uh, is quite influential to Timor.
0: Since Indonesian uh, pop cultures has such big impact in Timor, how is the government applied the history of what the Indonesian government did uh, in the past? Are they like transparent and like educate the youth with like the, the actual atrocities that the military Indonesian military did?
2: Well, I think in terms of the relationship between Indonesian government and Shimuru government, very strong uh, relation. In fact, that the regime we call regime uh, in the past, the regime is not only impacting on the Timorese people but also impacting on Indonesian people. that's why uh, we're always aware that Indonesian before is not the same as Indonesian today. That's why the relationship between the government relationship between people to people is getting strong and strong. So both country uh, is trying to build a relationship and using the, the old the past story as a lesson learned, so that we don't repeat that again in the future.
1: In one of our previous interviews, we talked to a photographer from Myanmar, and she's saying that in one of her projects at this, this specific region in Myanmar, the people over there are sort of the oppressed minority. And those people from that region couldn't tell the difference between Burmese military and Burmese people. They just mm. said it's, it's they couldn't distinguish. And so the fact that, you know, you're saying that the youth today um, are able to tell the difference and they're able to distinguish that, that's something... I feel like that's something really amazing to me, but I also wonder how aware the youth in Timor is because I feel like a lot of the times in many places, people tend to jump and think about like technology and internet and like all of these advancements and aren't fully aware about the history or why things are the way they are in the present
2: mm. yeah i think the good thing is timor uh, independence in millennium where uh, the technology is uh, very modernized so that's why the communication is now is advanced and easy for people to get connect each other that's why i think uh, the youth is youth they follow what's it called uh, they follow the trend trend of modernization just depends on how they use the modern technology for learning, for education, and also for um, like uh, learning about history. So you know, compared to our, my my time during Indonesian occupation, so hard even uh, you don't see uh, watching like a, a TV news or radio. Like if you listen to uh, radio Netherlands, for instance, you will get uh, suspect as a. Someone that's uh, trying to get information about the struggle and so on, so you might uh, even suspect by the military and he can be arrested uh, anytime. so today is uh, different. Today is uh, it's a globalization, and the technology uh, is facilitate people to get information anywhere they are. as I said earlier, the history as a lesson learned for all of us not only for Timorese, but also good for Indonesian people to uh, understand how the past situation during the regime and what's the difference, uh, this, uh, the difference uh, today. Like uh, during the uh, struggle, Timor struggle, not many Indonesian people understand how difficult is Timorese uh, struggle because the media always manipulate the whole information. But because of the uh, economic situation, the political situation around the globe, and also impacting on uh, Indonesia in 1997, so the movement, student movement in Indonesia, it's become like a rebel and to starting to make Indonesian people or population aware of the regime itself. So that's why I distinguish that it's a, a regime, it's not about the, the government. I think the regime is not only impacting uh contribute to trauma and uh, conflict in Timor, but also it's also contributing to trauma and conflict uh, within Indonesia itself so yeah. yeah, so I think now it's a different
0: yeah, I agree when you said a lot of Indonesian people don't understand what happened in Timor-Leste during that time because I think I remember I was like 10 or 11 years old and watching TV and all I I could see is just like the military like walking around carrying guns. And uh, uh, yeah, and I think that was the last time. Maybe I'm I'm not curious enough in my youth to like dig deep what happened in Timor. But yeah, that's good that the new generation to now try to... Uh, level up and, and then try to uh, balancing the, the Indonesian culture and then the past. but what about the, the old generation who went through that time? What was the what was the like the popular reaction yeah, the reaction still or the trauma
2: Well I think uh, everywhere around the globe, Post-conflict country always, you know, contribute to uh, so many victims. And causing uh, anger and trauma. So it's still happening uh, until today. Uh, so many uh, widows, some children that don't have parents. Like, I give an example. And I lost my three siblings during the war. And now I have just sur- surviving with my family. is me and my mom. And this is, again, it's uh, if we don't, understand how to get away this anger and trauma, it will contribute to a, a very negative aspect uh, from it. So I think many of the older generation they are aware that what happened during Indonesian uh, occupation, it's a regime.
0: Yeah. It's like
2: a, a system that being created in a purpose to, for uh, how say, pressure people and also create a lot of violence and conflict. Now, many of the uh, women, widows, some children that, that don't have parents, we try to, you know, at least, uh, we always uh, ask for uh, Indonesian uh, government at least to apologize, yeah, to apologize what happened in the past, even though it's not them is uh, doing that but at least they can represent the regime in the past to apologize to Timorese society who become victim of the the conflict in the past. But it still never never happened. But the good thing is the Indonesian government is trying to build uh, a, a different relationship, cultural relationship with Timor. And now many of the youth uh, students now study in Indonesia. Most uh, students now go to Indonesia. Uh, one, because it's close. second, it's cheap compared to other country. And also many of them speak Bahasa Indonesia. So um, hopefully in the future, people can using, can express their anger and uh, trauma. I'm glad that I have the musical uh, blood in my, my body, uh, through my mom and my father. That's why, you know, after we back in town, in 1979, 1980s, uh, I'm so surprised that my mom still kept one of the mouth harmonica with her. And she keep playing the harp until uh, I went to primary school and I started to, uh, you know, get into music and I love singing and I love uh, learn the instrument and she keep encouraging me to, be, to become a musician. I think uh, my music, so I think without music, I don't know what happened because I might uh, end up in a mental health hospital because uh, uh, probably too much stress because I don't have a father and I don't have uh, my sibling as well. But because of music, I have uh, a connection with my uh, neighborhood friend. We sing together, play instruments together. All of this is, a, for me, it's a very positive way how to transfer your emotion, your anger, your trauma through music. And then in 1989, I started writing a song. It's a, called Tosnayin. It's a farmer's song, which is, I started to express my feeling about how important is the farmers in our society and why my generation need to uh, thank our parents through, you know, uh, study hard and do not miss the school. So the music is about that. So if you go to the um, uh, Google Ego Lemos uh, alphabet song, so now that song is being used by Ministry of Education for the alphabet song.
0: Oh. I saw so. your video in on YouTube, like the one that you were like playing guitar on the beach or something. Maybe that was the one.
2: Is that a
0: documentary about uh, the growing art scene in Timor-Leste, I think, in Dili.
2: Oh, that's that's a different video. This this one, uh, it's it's an animation. It's an animation video. Oh, it's an animation? Yeah. So that song is being used by uh, the Ministry of Education for an alphabet song. Like uh, in English, uh, kids singing Twinkle, Twinkle Star, in Mm. Timor, they're using this song. For the uh, the alphabet.
1: Oh. Ah.
2: So now uh, kids across the country they learn alphabet using this song. Yeah, and then I continue uh, write many song about environmental song, peace song, and.
1: And some of your songs won international awards, right?
2: Yes, that's for the uh, the film of Ballyville.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel that? as someone from timor that when you perform for an international audience that people have certain expectations about you being a Timorese artist and singer
2: well uh, first time it's a bit hard when i first performed in australia uh, melbourne with my uh, band uh, 2001 that's first time with a big choir the concert called concert for uh east Timur. and then after that 2007 i went to a festival in australia again to perform as a solo performer then where i met uh, my musical producer since that i get many many invitations to perform around uh, australian festival australian music festival and also i travel uh, uh, around the uh, many countries, uh, UK, also in Germany, here now. So, so you Australia, traveled a lot. Oldest, yes, before COVID, I mean, I traveled a lot.
0: How is the situation in in Delhi right now?
2: Delhi is fine. It's normal.
0: It's normal.
2: Yeah, and because uh, the case is very uh, sm- like a, just one case, so it's a, within within the country. It's fine only the lockup, lockdown only for the uh, border, uh, for the land border and also airport. Yes. But inside the country is everything uh, running normal. So I suppose uh, next plan, next year, I'm already scheduled to tour Australia with uh, Tim Choir to uh, maybe about 10 festivals in, in Australia. Yeah, many requests, uh, only sometime I prioritize my activities, permaculture activities and helping the you the young people. So music is like my extra uh, activities that I've, I'm doing. And every time now, people, because people know I'm not only uh, as a musician, but also as a permaculturist and book author. So many festivals ask me to perform as well as speaking at the workshop, seminar and... <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're doing... Uh, (laughs) you're in high demand Uh, everyone wants to talk to you
2: (laughs) yeah and uh, visiting uh, schools and yeah inspired about school gardening in people yeah so
0: but what inspired you to do this um, tail education for children
2: the reason why I choose children because children is the next coming generation as you know more considered as a, an agrarian country, but today we import most of our uh, food consumption from abroad. Even though we have even uh, coffee, no, 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 coffee, no, no. Uh, but uh, like a rice and uh, so many uh, raw material. Because even though many of the uh, high school have uh, agriculture high school. Uh, and also many universities they have agriculture faculty. But cannot uh, uh, answer the issue because many of the uh, curriculum is theory-based uh, curriculum, not more practical. And we have so much potential. We have uh, abandoned land, which is unused. That's why if we could prepare a young generation, the school garden is not about production. School garden is about facilitating the school to learn the whole process of planting the plant, carrying good soil, and so on, so they can use for teaching mathematics, for teaching uh, health, environment, social science, and so many uh, lessons can be taught using a school garden. But when the kids learn in this whole process, when they grow up, uh, even though they study IT or architecture, but the growing culture is already part of their blood. So everywhere they go, they always want to plant food for themselves. So the idea is because Timor is a very uh, every year uh, report, malnutrition uh, is still high in Timor. So it's not about Timor do not have enough food, but because for uh, nutritional education is not. Uh, widely recognized. So that's why the school garden, one of the ideas is to facilitate the student to learn about how to grow a variety of crops and eating variety of crops based on seasonal and uh, based on micro uh, climate so that we don't depend all the time to one food crop only. For instance, uh, one of the things that Timor is being influenced by Indonesian culture is rice, yeah, rice. So I think same as Indonesian. Uh, rice, if they don't eat rice, then they feel, you know, they haven't eaten anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why uh, it's causing uh, a lot of uh, malnutrition because rice, people consider rice as the main staple uh, food, yeah. yeah.
1: Has I it always it been in- like that?
2: Indonesia. yeah?
1: Has it always been like that in Timor or is that because of Indonesian occupation that made Timorese people now feel like unless they eat rice, they don't feel like they've eaten fully?
2: I have to, I have to admit that it's because of the Indonesian
1: occupation. <laughs> because of the...
0: <laughs> but do you think that's true, that if you don't eat rice, you don't feel full? Or is it just like, uh, you know, psychological? Yeah,
2: psychological me, so. no. It's uh for me it's a psychological uh, psychological uh, protocol. It's about mindset. Mm-hmm. So I have so many Timorese friends. They went to Australia. Like I'm fine. I can adapt anywhere I can go when I go. I can eat anything, but some people they don't. If they don't eat rice just in a day, they feel like you know they they almost die.
0: Yeah.
2: But uh yeah.
0: Indonesian, I'm people, actually... <laughs> Indonesian people can't live without rice and sambal. <laughs>
1: There's are the yeah, two things right. that we need. To... Can you, Ego, can you talk more about how the timoris diet was before the Indonesian occupation? Like, clearly, the Indonesian occupation caused a shift from permaculture to monoculture. Um, but I'm curious about before that, during the Portuguese colonization and pre-colonization with the native indigenous lands?
2: Well, according to the uh, prehistory, rice is not part of our uh, diet. Rice is being introduced. The main staple is uh, root crops, like taro, cassava, uh, yam. That's a part of the staple in the prehistory. Even when the Portuguese came, rice, only the rice irrigation, rice, irrigated rice, only started in 1960s, uh, when the hybrid seeds from uh, Erie, it's been uh, introduced to Timor through Portuguese. Because when, the, after the Second World War, the global campaign, the Green Revolution campaign, I think through a Portuguese government, they introduced irrigated rice to Timor with machinery and fertilizer starting in 1960s. Then some of the area is starting to open up for ir- irrigated rice, but still a small amount. The rice during Portuguese uh, period, rice is like only affordable for the class people. Not, not everyone can uh, eat rice. Rice is like a for the high class, not for the uh, middle class. But when uh, Indonesian uh, invasion, 1975, and they introduced rice, and so many um, refugee camps, many people uh, live at the refugee camp and they starting to eat rice, they starting to eat like a fast food, like a noodle, and they eat uh, also canned food. That's why in 90, from 1975 to 90, around 1980s, a lot of uh, farming happened uh, because- is it, is, the, is it
0: because of the Suharto's uh, transmigration like yeah, program?
2: Because the diet of Timor is, is starting to change. So many people causing a lot of diarrhea and many people die because of the, uh, they don't cope with new food. So then 1982, then Indonesian government is starting to uh, open up new irrig- irrigation system for rice cultivation. So it's starting to open rice subsidy. Most of the uh, government public servants, they get salary. They also get rice, bag of rice every month. And then the rice is, it's been selling in the market so cheap. So everyone can, can buy rice with the slogan called, if people cannot afford to eat rice, they consider it as a poor people. Mm. So then mm. the, the rice nization is uh, it's spreading the, through the whole country. And so even though people living in the mountain, they never grow rice in their life, but they also depending on rice as a staple. Uh.
1: wow it's so fascinating to see that occupation comes in different forms it's not just straight up violence it's other ways of you know infiltrating a culture and cultural
2: cultural destruction yeah yeah even uh, Timorese people lost many original seeds because of the introduction of so many hybrid seeds with packets with uh, fertilizer, uh, pesticide. So Timorese people lost their uh, traditional knowledge on farming system.
1: How long do you think the process will take to undo everything, all of the damage that's been done, or is it even possible to undo the damage?
2: Well, it's possible. It's possible to undo the damage uh, the government and the people uh, commit to undo. If we want to continue with the system already exists, then we contribute to uh, a disaster for the country in the future. Mm. But if we want to have a better future, means we need to change not 100%, but at, at least some of the positive aspects from traditional uh, uh, farming systems.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking about the uh, the palm oil industry in Indonesia. They use tons of like pesticide, and the the plant itself is ruined the um, the soil, right? I I feel like it's it's gonna be hard to uh, revolutionize or bring back the old way of planting because it's such a big uh, industry. I feel like. The government is just gonna I don't know, I don't think they're gonna do something big about it in terms of what do you call that, like regenerate the soil.
1: I feel like there's also from what I understand, like once soil has been changed so that it's built so that it plants palm oil, I believe that it's impossible to change it back. Right? Or it takes it takes a long time. I don't
2: know. So mon- monoculture, from my perspective, monoculture is it contribute to uh, destroy agro uh, biodiversity of the area. Also, it's destroy the also the land biotic in the soil itself and changing the whole uh, ecosystem and changing the whole landscape of the area. And people become dependent. And monoculture is always promoted by the industry because they they look at. Uh, big scale and can uh, produce a lot and can be uh, market oriented so it's a, it's all about money permaculture uh, perspective uh, we have to choose either way we choose the people or uh, people and the planet or we choose the companies or the industry that will destroy the people and the planet i think it's very, very hard, not only in Timor, Because of the profit, people uh, tend to ignore about the people. I don't know, uh, it's about greedy. People prefer to destroy the people and the planet in order to make profit, rather than choose the people and the planet so that we could live to pass on this planet to generation to generation. So that's the worry. Even in Timor, I still worry with our uh, leadership only small percentage of people are aware of, you know, balance between uh, economic, ecology, and social culture. So if we don't uh, make balance these three aspects, if we just focus on economics, then we'll destroy the ecology and we'll destroy the social culture of the people.
1: Yeah, I'm actually interested because before this you were saying that, you were saying that it is possible to undo the destruction that has been done if the leaders are willing to actually put in the work of doing that. Do you feel like the leaders in Timor are willing enough or are putting enough work into actually fixing all the destruction that's happened?
2: Well, I have to admit that not many people think like that. It's very hard as a country just out of the uh, post-conflict country. It's very hard because... Uh, we've been influenced so much by the uh, globalization and uh, people tend to choose, they're choosing more uh, market oriented than how to revive, how to restore the environment and also reinforce the social culture of the people. As I mentioned, uh, three aspects, economic, uh, if we're talking about sustainability, we have to have balance between economic, ecology, and socioculture. If we only have one aspect, then it's not sustainable.
1: I'm curious, um, Ego, if if I can sort of comment on something that Ruth said earlier, where when we were younger, living in Indonesia, we didn't know much about Timor. But even now, I feel that the Indonesian youth today are still very unaware about timor so it's kind of unbalanced because you were saying timor youth is very aware of indonesian culture indonesian music indonesian oh. entertainment but it's oh. not the same the other way around yeah. and i and i also feel like there's a lot of misconception like there's a lot of talk about timor and the people talking about timor are not Timoris people the people talking about Timor are Australians or Indonesians oh, but oh. but not the Timoris people themselves so oh. I guess I'm curious about your opinion about that and again like clearly we both know that your individual opinion is also your individual opinion and there are like hundreds of thousands of other Timoris people who probably have different opinions from you but yeah I'm just curious about that because it seems that all of these conversations about Timor are by people who are not even Timor, or who have never even been to Timor.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, some of the uh, people, not Timorese uh, people, uh, depends on the context what they're talking about. Some who involved in the solidarity movement during the struggle, they might have a different opinion about Timor, but those who Just know Timor after independence, they might have different opinions about Timor. I give an example. When Timor is still under Indonesian occupation, uh, many solidarity groups around the globe are supporting Timor for a struggle, but it's a very, very small group of them. But after independence, many of the international uh, community come to Timor not because they part of the solidarity uh, movement but because of they come as the UN mission aid agency look at timor as a poor country as a, a new country and that they want to help timor because they use timor timor is a disadvantage to make profits for themselves you know create a lot of projects, they get a lot of funding but what happened all this money is just uh, using timor as a base, but most of the money goes away again. Most of the money not stay in Timur. So this is happening all the time. Sometimes when I get angry uh, with some people, they using, they come and use Timur for research base only. For instance, one of the international uh, agencies come and do trial, so many uh, introduced seeds in Timur. They said, oh, this, this seeds is better than uh, Timur seeds because Timur seeds is not good quality and this is a better quality and why? Because they want to use Timur as a guinea pig to trial their seats and for academic purpose so they could do a report to give a recommendation to other country that have this advantage like a Timur so that they could make another profit. So that's why I always uh, critic this kind of uh, organization, this kind of uh, academic people who just use Timur as a guinea pig, that's why They always say, oh, Timorese, they're so poor, Uh, you know, we need to help them. That's why it's it's very hard. But those people who are involved in the Timorese struggle, like giving a solidarity, you know, they come to Timor maybe uh, once in five years or once in 10 years. Some of them never never been to Timor after independence. So I I respect these people uh, a lot compared to those people who, you know, come using Timor making profits for themselves.
1: If I may ask another related question, when I am talking to my friends who are about my age, one of the big debates is that they believe that Indonesia was trying to build infrastructure in Timor. And then after Timor independence, it's quote-unquote independence but actually now Australia owns Timor and it's basically the same thing except it's white people that are benefiting instead of Indonesians benefiting. I feel like that is the the persisting idea that so many people have particularly young Indonesians and I'm curious about your comment on that.
2: Well, I totally, uh, you know, uh, I have to thank that Indonesian during the occupation admitted that the Indonesian government they contribute to some of the infrastructure, like they building uh, many roads, uh, irrigation, uh, many schools, uh, giving many scholarship for Timorese people who never access scholarship uh, during Portuguese time. Uh, from my opinion, if that. Development is purely because want to uh, develop Timor as a part of Indonesia at that time. I think most of the people will continue maintaining with Indonesia. But because of the other way around, this infrastructure is like an attraction for Timor so that Timorese can be uh, integrated to Indonesia. And then whoever against that, they will be become rebel and they will be, uh, you know, Indonesian military can arrest them and a lot of violence. So that is why so many Timuris against uh, Indonesian occupation because of, you know, violence. That's why I'm saying it's a regime. It's, an, it's not about Indonesian, but it's a, a regime that time It's really, really, uh, they done a lot of crime against humanity. Uh, that's why I don't think even Indonesian people, they don't like, you know, so uh, even worse for uh, Timorese people. But today, after Indone- uh, East Timor independence, I think it's it's uh, wrong to say that uh, East Timor owned by Australia. It's totally wrong. Because Timor is an uh, independent country and we have our uh, sovereignty. And even though the Australian uh, presence, it's because of, you know, one, they contribute to uh, Timor's uh, development. Second, because of the oil and gas. But it's not necessary that Timor has to be part of Australia. It's a totally uh, wrong perception about that. Because uh, I think East Timor is totally different to other uh, Pacific countries. Like other pacifican country they uh, i think they totally control by australia but timor we you know respect uh every country a uh, neighbor country uh we create a good relationship between timor Lester, east timor and neighboring country and even with all the uh continent you know timor joined cplp is a portuguese speaking country it's a cover Africa, uh, Europe, and also South America, and also Timor is trying to join ASEAN so that Timor can, you know, uh, have a network throughout the whole uh, ASEAN country, and also Timor is trying to build up a relationship with all the continents in the globe. So I think the perception, uh, I don't know, uh, depends on. I
0: think maybe the perception. Perceptions uh, started because of the maybe the oil industry on that uh, part in between the Australia and East Timor. Mm. But what do you think of the industry right now? Are you guys like sharing uh, profit? Because it's still part of East Timor, right?
2: Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's how every uh, the revenue it's owned by East Timor in terms of the, uh, I'll say, exploration, of course, it's dealing between Timur and the company, uh, Australian company. So that's why uh, if we're talking about business, of course, we need to have a share. The share, it depends 50-50 or 70 or 30%. So right now the share is 50-50 because each timor don't have a resource, human resource, financial resource, to have fully control all this revenue, that's why we still need to share. If we don't do that, then where can we get the money to develop the country? So that's why now we still um, had to work with different country, different neighbors country, with uh, the companies where we could, you know, using uh, the natural resource to. Develop the country for the uh, better economic and future.
0: Yeah, and I also think that the, the Australian theory also being used in conversation about West Papua, because mm. like they've been like demanding their own independence, and like I think a lot of Indonesian people think like, well, if we let them go, then Australia's gonna own them. It's always Australia, I think, because it's like the big and uh, powerful country down south. Mm. probably the reason why
1: yeah Yeah. i feel like that that is also the debate that is currently going on right now where a lot of younger indonesians who didn't live through the struggle and are were not aware of the timor struggle they're like oh if papua wants to become independent now they're just gonna be like timor and they're gonna be owned by australia and so that's that's the narrative that's been manipulated and used.
2: Well, from my, uh, my point of view, yeah, I think if we don't want to happen like Timur, I think Timur, uh, East Timur, is a good lesson learned from Indonesia. Same as West Papua. If, you know, the Indonesian people advocating on the government, especially the military regime, to, you know, at least consider the Papuan people as the indonesian people and respect their right and you know uh, stop the violence and let them live like indonesian people and build this relationship and i'm sure most of the papuan people will uh, choose to maintain live with indonesia if we ignore and let the military regime to make the violence create the what's it called Crime against the humanity in Papua and then the Indonesian youth ignore that, then we cannot uh, blame the West Papua people yes. because that's their right to uh, determine their, uh, you know, because same as Timur, it's good. It's a lot of contribution from Indonesia, but because of, we don't like crime, we don't like violence, we don't like rule. So I think it happened all over Indonesia. Mm-hmm. So if we could, the Indonesian youth can advocate that to make sure that this violence not happen again in West Papua or other part of Indonesia, I'm sure Indonesia will be united and be strong.
1: Actually, is it true that the infrastructure that was built by Indonesia in Delhi was destroyed afterwards? Because they're like, oh, you don't want to become part of us, so let's just destroy all of this these things that we've built. Is that true?
2: I don't know uh much of the plan uh but uh honestly not all of the infrastructure is destroyed
0: oh yeah you said you wrote like a book right what is it called
2: what sorry you wrote a
0: book yeah both yeah your book can you can you tell us a little bit about your book
2: oh book sorry uh (laughs) Yeah, the Tropical Permaculture Guidebook. it's a, before become it became an international edition. We published the first edition back in 2005. So that time, uh, we have three languages, uh, Tetum, uh, Bahasa Indonesia, and English. And then that book is being adopted in Indonesia after when tsunami happened in Aceh. One of the permaculture institutes based in Bali, they adopt the book. And they published called uh, permaculture uh, manual for Indonesia, and that book then has been adopted by many countries around the globe, and it's been translated to many many uh, different languages. So now uh, that book is being um, is open source to people around the world. So that book it's called a tropical permaculture guidebook, a gift from Timor Leste so Timur as a small country where we contribute a little to the world and that book is an open source because we believe in fair share people pay what they can if they don't have money they can just download uh, that's our recommendation based on the demand for the book is so high that's why we established Permatil Global which is registered in Australia and now Uh, The organization Permatil Global is being uh, operating in Australia and we hope that soon in the future or next year, we're trying to register Permatil Global in Timor so that we could align Permatil as one so that we could become national organization and international organization that we could help country around the globe, especially Asia and Pacific.
0: I have I have a question because when I was doing uh, my research about East Timor, I was wondering because here in America uh, we're in a time when like a lot of people protest to like put down like a certain statues that are that are like a symbol of colonization or like white powers. Is there any like statues in Timor? Let's say that. A symbol of Indonesian power in a way. Because well, the only yeah. one I found is like the Jesus one from Suharto. And yeah. I was like, that is such a clever way to like because how can you put that down? It's Jesus.
2: <laughs> well for us, uh, for us, history is still the history. Yeah.
1: Uh,
2: we don't we don't want to lie about history. So anything is being built is we want to maintain as a history. So that people know that Timor, it's been uh, colonized by Indonesia before. Even we maintain the statue or the building from uh, Portuguese time because we want to maintain the history and that's become the, what's it called, the heritage of Timor. So why we have to destroy the statue? It's nothing wrong with the statue, just about the history. If we could use this uh, statue, we could tell a lot of story to our young generation about Timor becoming independent.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree, but at the same time, I feel like because Indonesia still have like tons of uh, buildings that are like originally uh, yeah. built by the Dutch, and we always yes. remember that oh yeah, we were colonized with the Dutch, but we never yes. have that like symbol or statue or something that. Would remind us of, of like one regime did at some point that would remind us like we don't have that. So I also I-
1: feel like in Indonesia there's this there's this mindset that, and maybe this is also because of education, where we look at these buildings that were built by the Dutch colonizers, and a lot of Indonesians seem to admire that because there's this internalized um, subjugation of some sort where it's like, oh my God, like European buildings, like that's so beautiful and amazing. And I don't know, what it, what is it like in, in Timor? Like do people, yeah, what is the reaction of people in Timor?
2: Well, for me, it's a personal expression. So I think uh, we can control personal expression as long as uh, we don't hide the history. So if the young Generation who don't know about the struggle of Timur, it's okay. But sooner or later, they will understand. When they look at the building or they look at the statue, they admire. But of course, it will be uh, some question, why uh, Indonesia uh, built this statue? So there where the history, the storytelling start.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with uh, you yeah. completely. So we
2: can't control the uh, personal expression, yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I just feel I just feel like maybe we uh we need like a statue that would remind us of like what uh Soharto did in East Timor, for instance. Maybe we need that to like remind us because I feel like growing up in Indonesia, like the educational system I think is just trying to tell us of like we are uh like a country that used to be colonized by the Dutch, that's it. Outside of that, they don't teach us like, of like what the regime did in other like, countries or in other parts of area, even in West Papua. A lot of people don't, they don't know what really happened in West Papua in the 60s. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think statue is a good thing, good idea for me
1: people to like here's the thing here's the thing here's the thing Ruth like even in Indonesia there's no statue or museum or anything that commemorates what his regime did in Indonesia so it's like you gotta start there first and then maybe there you know there will be something in like Papua or Timor, right That, that is true it's like if you um Ego, have you have you seen this YouTube video that has like maybe two, three million views about uh, about Timor? It's a parody video that supposedly, I guess, it talks about the history and the current um, social political climate of East Timor right now, um, but in a funny way. And they do it sort of like a news. Um, it's it's like a, a fake news reporter or, or not a fake news reporter. I think she was like a travel, someone who's like trying to promote travel to Timor. Have you seen it? It's, a,
2: it's a tourism uh, ad- advertisement or what?
1: Yeah, like a fake tourism advertisement where they're like, oh, here, you should visit Timor. But then they talk about all of the atrocities and dark history. Have with, I-
2: with, the, with the Australian model.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you've with seen like, that with the black blazer. Is that that <laughs> one? <No>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's a brilliant idea. I, so like, I feel like that's the that's a popular one. That when people Google Timor, that's the first thing that they find because it has like two, three million views.
2: Right, right.
1: So you have you have seen the Yeah, video? I've seen.
2: Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. And I've met the person. Uh, who, oh,
1: uh, the- <laughs> uh, That's a that's anyway. a very creative way um, yeah. of of doing things. Well, normally, normally, um, we ask closing questions. Uh, number one, what? Are misconceptions about Timor that need to be dismantled, especially because it seems that there's this persisting, prevailing idea that, oh my God, Timor is like, there's a lot of poverty, or it's like such a quote unquote new country, it's such a young country, blah, blah, blah. But what, what do you think? And what do you think are the strongest misconceptions that need to be dismantled?
2: Well, I, first, I have to say that it's a perception. Again, uh, we cannot control uh, people's perception about Timor. But as a Timorese, I have to say, yes, uh, economically, uh, a Timor still struggle to improve its economic. But in term of uh, freedom, yes, I think we've more freedom compared to before. So that's why, even though uh, economically still struggle, but now we can go anywhere uh, without any any hassle. Uh,
0: Okay, and my question is, what is your favorite food in Timor-Leste? One that is original and one that is uh, influenced by the Indonesian uh, rice dish.
1: That's unfair. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I think uh, I love uh, fish. Fish is always my favorite. Anything to do with fish, I, I love it. Uh, Do you have
0: the, the, one particular one that you 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 really like?
2: Uh particular fish. A
0: part, particular dish.
2: Oh per, particular dish, I you know fish I love uh roast always. Like uh, I I love roasting uh, fish. For the influential one from Indonesia, I think everyone loves nasi So same as me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what about what about Portuguese influence? What is the Portuguese influence food? Uh,
2: Portuguese, uh, there is a very famous dish called cozido. Um, cozido is like um, a potato with goat meat. Yeah.
1: And is it is it like a beef stew with potato or? Yeah, it's
2: like a, a stew. But it's not uh, like a supio or something. Oh, like I think
1: a... I know what you're talking about. They also have that in Brazil, right?
2: Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, and I have one more question. If uh,
0: the listeners want to know more about East Timor, do you have any literature or um, artists that you recommend?
2: Literature, I think uh, many will be in Tetum. But I think many, uh, in terms of books, I think many uh, books have been published uh, around Timur history. And I think people can uh, Google. I think they will find uh, many sources. In terms of music, uh, it's quite hard because not many music, Timur's music, it's putting on iTunes or something like that. But definitely they can find some music. I think there is a couple. Mine is on iTunes or... Spotify, you can put Ego Lemos, You find my music on Spotify or iTunes. Yeah.
0: Why do you think it's hard for uh, Timorese uh, like musician to have their music to be published? What's the because obstacle? My,
2: I my music is being uh, published, uh, produced in Australia, and then it's uh, published by Australian music production, and so that's why it's it's on uh, iTunes mm. or Spotify. But the obstacle for uh, Timorese artists to do the same is because there's not many uh, Timorese artists have a lot of opportunity to go, go abroad for performance. So that's why a lot of uh, challenge, obstacle for Timorese artists to be uh, publish their music in the global uh, market.
0: Right, right. So, yeah, Alexander, do you have extra questions for Ego?
1: How did you like? I'm just curious. How did you meet that model in the video? Oh my God! He's so obsessed with that.
2: No, I'm just. I'm
1: just curious. And like, that was so unexpected that I just thought about that, and then it turns out you met. You met them.
2: Well, I can't remember exactly, but maybe around 2012, 2012, 2015. I don't know exactly, but accidentally, um, I'm at. Uh, a uh, cafe with my musical product, uh, producer from Australia. And while we're talking about uh, doing some musical concert in Delhi, then the uh, tourism uh, people came with this very tall girl. Uh, of course, she's beautiful. And they introduced, she's the one now doing a tourism uh, advertising for, for Timor. So that's how we shake we a hand and say thank you. And yeah, uh. that's how I met, yeah. Yeah, a lot of story I could tell.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for your time for spending your afternoon with us. It's I've learned so much chatting with you, and I feel like about about that about that Australian lady on the video.
0: (laughs) You learned so much about it.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Here at Sugar Nutmeg, we encourage you to dig deeper and ask more questions about the topics we talked about.
0: Ego Song's title Balibo, which earned him the best original song at the Screen Music Award, is featured in Balibo, a film that gives a little snippet about the days leading up to Timor Independence. Check out the movie and listen to his song. And if you're curious about the person Alexandra is obsessed about, definitely check out the video about Timor Leste on YouTube. It's the one with more than 3 million views.
1: We want to thank Ego again for chatting with us in between his busy schedule. If you want to know more about Ego and his organization, you can go to permatilglobal.org. Thanks for listening. And until our next feast, this is Alexandra. And this is Ruth.